So the very thing that David fell into, the same trap, you know, that whole experience with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, he didn't outright say it, but you could, it's almost as if he said it. Yep. Everyone I made knows. some mistakes. Yeah, everyone it knows what public. David would mean. I should not have done it. Solomon, do not make the same mistake. Mm. Solomon took it to another level. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. For those of you that have been with us from the beginning, you'll no doubt recognize the voice of today's guest. We had the pleasure of sitting down with him to record only our second episode, as he shared how Daniel was a positive influence in the lives of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, and how he himself actually influenced his friends to make really bad choices before the Lord won his heart. Our guest on this episode is Nolan Edwards. And somewhat continuing the theme of influence, we decided that we just had to sit down and discuss the life of probably the greatest king in Israel's history, King Solomon. The end of David's reign was tumultuous at best. His children were at war, there's death, there's incestuous rape, every nightmare imaginable for a man, for a father, David has to go through it. And it's largely his own fault. Because of the guilt of his own sins, he couldn't keep his children at bay. Talk about influence. His son Absalom killed another of David's sons, Amnon, because Amnon had raped his sister Tamar. Not to mention the fact that Absalom himself had started a rebellious movement to forcibly remove his father from the throne. Solomon really was their last hope. And if Israel was going to succeed when their king was laid to rest, it had to be him. David knows this. And in a last-ditch effort to keep Absalom from taking the throne, he abdicates and gives the crown to Solomon and has some fateful last words for his son that, if followed, will shape the king and the man that he is destined to be. And David says, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong and show thyself Amen. Of all the things for him to to say when he leaves, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you think about David's illustrious life. Yes. You know, this is this is the man who was after after God's own heart. Oh yeah. And the last thing that he says to his his son is, "Be strong and show or prove yourself to be a man." Yes. Why why those words? Well, even though David had the right heart. You know, that doesn't mean that he wasn't subjected to making poor choices. Mm. And David did, you know, in the selection of women in his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, pride got to him at some point. Then, you know, he, he 
killed and people that he wasn't supposed to kill. So right. even though he was handpicked by God, that w- doesn't mean he wasn't subjected to making m- mistakes. And mm-hmm. he did. He made quite a few big mistakes. So it's as if David is pleading with Solomon saying, look, don't do the same things that I did. Yeah, it sounds yeah. when you read it, it almost you can almost imagine David saying it almost guilty, yeah. you know, with, with, with that feeling like, listen, son, you know what I've done, <laughs> you know, and Solomon's pretty young at this yeah, point yeah, still, but 20 years old, you can imagine he knows the history of his father, he does. You know, the great King of Israel. And, and David has a lot of history. Yeah. Um, and in saying this, it's almost like he's saying, I want you to be better than I was. That's right. Because I think when, when everyone, when you get to the end of your life, and I obviously I'm not speaking about this from experience, <laughs> when you get to the end of your life and you look back, it would be your greatest desire to see those that are coming in your footsteps to do better. That's right. To be better, to be more. And I think that would be any father's prayer, but specifically David with, as you've mentioned, the mistakes that he's had. He's like, Solomon, I need you to be more than I was. Yeah. God needs you to be more than I was. And, you know, I think as in our time, there might've been a stigma, you mm-hmm. know, of what manhood is about. Right. So, you know, when, when a person think of manhood, mm-hmm. you know, they think about, especially from a early perspective where I came from, you know, how much women do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of cars you drive? Right, right. You know, how much money you make? Yep. What kind of influence you have? Mm-hmm. So David is saying, I know that this is the custom norm of what, manhood is but mm-hmm. he's saying no solomon i want you to show yourself a man you right know? it's it's not what the world and society deems mm-hmm. manhood to be so i'm kind of showing you based on my experience of mm-hmm. what i've done wrong when i thought i was a man show thyself a man right and when we read the following verses now david did not leave us to you know define for ourselves mm-hmm. what manhood is right and you're going to see that it's quite the contrary from the norm, you mm-hmm. know, women, mm-hmm. cars, money, prestige, housing, different things of that nature. I, I read something totally different for what I grew up, you know, used to hearing what manhood mm-hmm. is all about. He goes on to say, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God. Now, in most people's mind, like, <laughs> what does this have to do with manhood? Right. You know, what, not linked at all. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it fit the bill to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turneth thyself. So what David is saying to Solomon is, if you want to truly be a man, you have to be willing to be different than what society's norm is. Mm. Give yourself to God early, you know, don't do what I did. Keep the commands of God. I broke God's commandments. I was an adulterer. I was a murderer. Mm. I did a lot of things that was just flat out wrong. And I thought I was a man, but now I'm realizing I wasn't a man. Now, Solomon, I want you to show yourself a man. Mm. So you can see now that David is steering Solomon as he's beginning his reign or about to begin his reign rather in a totally different direction than how he started. He said, I want you to start right. I want you to end right. I want you to sustain these principles throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And then in verse three, he says, verse four, rather, he says, this is the only way that we're going to prosper. He said that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me saying, if thy children take heed to their ways to walk before me in truth with all their hearts, and with all their souls, they shall not fail thee, said he, 
a man on the throne of Israel. Wow. So God, so it's like David is saying, I don't want you to fail. I, mm. I fail in many ways. I don't want you to go through the same thing I, I, that I've gone through. So keep the commandments of God. Right. And so it we're given this picture then mm-hmm. of what a man looks like yeah. in the eyes of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it is vastly different. Yeah. It's not like the picture that we're normally given. No, no it's not. <laughs> but it is still, I mean, I don't know how much of a, a breakaway from modern society this was in David and Solomon's time. Yeah. But even now, this does not sound anything like how you would describe a man today. Oh, no, no, no. Because essentially what David is saying is that a real man is one whose whose first and foremost goals and ideals is to follow after God's law. That's right. And the picture of man today is literally the opposite of that. That's exactly right. You look at the, you look at the commandments oh, yeah. and a man is the one that has you know, committed all these adulteries. He's the one that doesn't need it or respect his parents. He can do mm-hmm. things for himself. He's, he's, he'll do whatever it takes to, to prosper and to be successful. And God is saying, no, if you want to keep your line on the throne, if you want Israel to continue to, pr- to prosper, then real manliness is actually godliness. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, we're, we're going to eventually come to this, but, you know, for me, this is, this took a, total change in my entire ideology and everything else that I've learned growing up, you mm. know, growing up in New York City, you know, for me, it was basketball. That, that's manhood, the weightlifting, right, yeah. that's manhood, you know, mm-hmm. sports and these aggressive things, you know, mm-hmm. it's loving God and keeping his commandments. That That's so unmanly right. in all regards. You yeah, know? There's no pride. There's no <laughs> arrogance. There's no show of strength. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And so I think when when we do come to the scriptures and we and we, and we ask ourselves, okay, what is a man? Then mm-hmm. the parameters are there. Yeah, that's you right. You know, and when we look at man at the beginning of time, one of the first things that God did, He said, okay, I'm going to put you into a family. That's right. I'm going to ask you to lead this family. That's right. And lead them to me. That's right. You know, Adam was given a wife to look after, a, a wife that was given to him to compliment him. That's right. And to help him. And to be with him, but he was given work. That's right. He, gave him he was work given an actual job, which was to till the garden and look after it. Um, he eventually would have children, and it would be his responsibility to to teach them the ways of God. And I don't think God's ideals have changed from that point. It, it hasn't. In fact, I think it's more firm. It may not be a popular thing to say in today's social climate, but we'll say it anyways. The world's greatest need right now is men. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who, to their very core, are true and honest. Men who do not fear to call sin by its right name. And men whose consciences will not bend under another's when duty arises. Men who will stand for the right, though the heavens fall. Our world may not believe this now, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. We live in a time where everything is about equality, but men and women are not equal. They are not the same. Now, they are equal in value, absolutely. A man is not worth more than a woman or vice versa, but they are not equal in roles. And of course, our our hats go off to all of the strong women that have sacrificed everything to be what was needed when the men never showed up. But this is a call. A call for our young men to stand up and be the leaders that they were called to be. 
and for our older men to help train these young men to take their places. It's our greatest need. And it was Israel's too. Have you heard of the Garhood Project? Not really. So the Garhood Project was, uh, it's something that I, I read um, from this kind of social critic. Um, her name was Barbara Whitehead. And she, she, she basically spoke about how in the 70s, um, there was this kind of feminism, feminist push uh, to, to make girls more like boys. Mm. It was, the, the tagline was, was essentially uh, copy the boys. Mm. And it, it showed that um, from, from that point, so we're talking about almost 50 years ago now, there is this push within modern culture, mm. society, media, uh, to portray the ideal woman as being more manlike. It's, it's from that point, really, that the media starts to show women wow. as being, you know, more like athletes, yes, yes. sculptured physiques, and, you know, fit, strong, independent, moved away from the, the image of women being more. Um, Motherlike. Yeah, more motherlike and, and more in the house, taking care of the Child family, rearing. teaching the children. And I think that what what's happened now is that that aspect of femininity has has been kind of eroded, where women that who's you know if, if a woman if a modern day woman said that her greatest desire in life is to just raise her family, mm. to raise her children, you know she doesn't necessarily think that she wants a degree or a well paid job, but she she wants to be at home and raise good kids for God. Yeah. That, that's not really acceptable today so much wow. because right now there's this push that if you are a woman, you need to be achieving in with, with, the, with this secular mindset. You need to be like, like the men, the men who traditionally have been breadwinners, traditionally have been the one who's, who's uh, calling, <laughs> whose role is to provide for the family. So you kind of seen like a- Yeah, and a role reversal, reversal. Yeah. a role reversal. And this is not to say that that men are more valuable than women. That's no, not the case no, at all. Definitely not. In in terms of equality, it, it sh that should exist. But in terms of actual roles, it was God created men and women different to complement one another. He did. And when we break down what a man looks like and what a woman looks like, and we blur the lines, I think the result is the kind of politically correct society that we live in today. When you mention role reversal, I think that's key because people think that, you know, titles um, kind of defines value. Mm, yeah. And it could be miscued. Mm -hmm. I, I like the way a person put it before. You know, if a company CEO is missing, you know, um, you might not know. He could be gone for weeks and months and at times you might not even know. Mm -hmm. But if the janitor who's considered to have the lowest role in a company mm, is missing yeah. for a week, <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone would know that. Yeah. So the, the janitor, in a sense, has essential role in a company uh -huh. right you might not have the prestige and different things of that nature but because everyone kind of knows their roles the mm. company runs efficiently mm -hmm. so i kind of see the same in the house um the father has a role the mother has a role they're they're both equal in importance right and when each person is you know i grew up playing basketball and um uh i was a shooting guard and i was happy because i like shooting mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But if everyone wanted to be a shooting guard and right. no one wants to be a point guard and no one wants to be a center, no mm -hmm. one wants to be a, a power forward, you know, the team obviously could not find success. Right. Everyone had to say, you know what, I'm going to fit my role mm -hmm. in order for the success of the team. Yeah. So the family is like a team. Uh -huh. Society is, is to a certain extent is a team. And when these roles are miscued, then it affects society because mm -hmm. society is just a reflection of homes. Mm -hmm. And everyone comes out of some kind of home, whether a broken home or, or a good home. Yeah. It's funny you say that with the role reversal because there's a Bible text that actually brought that out. It's in Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12. Mm -hmm. So it says, As for my people, children are the oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. Mm. So the Bible is saying that when the order of the home is broken, when the children now become the rulers and the oppressors, and when the men are allowing the women to rule over them and not being the man that God desires them to be, the leaders that God desires them mm -hmm. to be, then we can see that there, there, there be, there could be, you know. Uh, all kind of confusion in the home, which leads to confusion in society, right. the jobs and every and everywhere else. And I think alongside this, mm -hmm. alongside this push to blur the lines is, I, I think a big part of this has been media. And it's Absolutely. easy, it's easy to, you know, sit down and, you know, point the finger at television and say, Absolutely. you know, I think I, I think I read a statistic uh, a couple of weeks ago where teenagers that are like 16 years old, by the time they reach 16 years old, growing up in your modern American home, We've seen something like a million commercial advertisements, like in, in 16 years. You know, this is this is incredible. Wow. Um, and I think there is a lot of manipulation. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing that that we don't often talk about um, is really uh, men's addiction to things like smartphones, mm -hmm. to things like movies yeah. and and video games. Video games is a big thing for young men. Oh yes, and and I know this firsthand mm -hmm. because before I became a Christian and after I became a Christian, video games was a big part of my life. You know, because you're how do I put this? I think that there is an internal um, desire or even function that's been put within man to achieve, that's right. to conquer, to to do something great to accomplish, you know? And I was, I was, I've been reading about this stuff a lot recently, but when you sit down in front of a, in front of a screen and you, you escape into these virtual worlds, you're sitting down there with your controller or with your phone or, or whatever it is, it is giving the, the sense of accomplishment. You know, it's, it's passive but it's the sense of accomplishment. You know, you guys sit down now and, you know, they'll play World of Warcraft or they'll play Fortnite or whatever these latest games are. And, and they're in it. You, know, yeah. you see like YouTube videos of these guys just sitting down playing games 24 seven. The, the funny thing is I haven't kept up with it, but mm. I'm just sharing, just interjecting briefly. I went to Best Buy to buy a monitor recently. Uh -huh. And in my mind, monitor means you're using it to, for your computer. Right. <laughs> and, Every person that I spoke to in Best Buy, the uh -huh. first question that they asked me, is this for gaming? Hmm. I'm like, no, it's a monitor. No, no, <laughs> is this for gaming? So in my mind, monitor means I'm going to be doing stuff on a computer like right. you know, word processing, uh -huh. graphics. But society's norm is now a monitor is now, yeah. first question is, is it for a game? Right. So I, I think, yeah. that I, I really do think 
that the attraction to that is that I get to sit at home, you know, probably in my parents' basement <laughs> till I'm, you know, in my thirties wearing my Star Wars pajamas <laughs> and I'm there just, I'm accomplishing, you know, oh, I'm, I'm the best at this and I'm the number one at this and I got trophies in this. Mm. And essentially what, what's happened is we have become dominant forces and we have become leaders and all of these things, but only in our own minds. That's right. It gives us that sense that we've done something. But it's like, it's like a virtual dominance. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's quite pathetic. Yeah. You know, it's quite pathetic when you consider the the fullness that we were created to achieve. That's right. And and we we limit our capabilities to how much points or coins or hoops or whatever I can achieve whilst I sit down in front of this in front of this screen. Apparently achieving much, but really wasting everything that I've been given. And I really do think that these things have been designed purposefully to destroy Absolutely. what God has created. When it came down to it, David's words are far more meaningful than what may first appear. To show thyself a man means more than to parade one's masculinity. It means to learn in humility from David's own mistakes. It means to be a servant leader, not merely a boss. It means to put yourself on the front line and not wander about atop roofs gazing at that which you should never have had. When we come back, well, here's something I've learned personally. When you refuse to learn the lessons of instruction, you are forced to learn the lessons of experience. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. It is said that at the height of Solomon's reign, Israel was at its greatest and its most beautiful. The structures, the order, the colors, all of these testified of the beauty that was present on the inside. Just like the conflict beautiful. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever read the Conflict of the Ages series, but this collection of books would probably be the greatest tool to help you study the Bible you could ever have. Here at Why They Did That, our purpose is to help you see the depth of the scriptures and truly immerse yourself in these ancient words. But in all honesty, we don't come close to the amazing insights contained within these books. Types and Symbols, the company behind the redesign of this set, have just made it a little easier to read and far more aesthetically pleasing. So if you truly desire to have a deeper understanding of the scriptures, visit theconflictbeautiful.com and get yourself a set with 10% off using the promo code WTDT. You'll thank us later. David was known as a man's man. He was a warrior. He had multiple wives. He was strong, brave, and courageous. Everything that mattered in his time. But he recognized that he had messed up. And as is the case for every parent, for every father, you want them to learn from your experiences. Don't fall into the same pits that I almost never escaped. And at the beginning, it looks very much like Solomon is on the right path. Everything is working out in the best way imaginable. 
but the apple really doesn't fall far from the tree. David wanted his son not just to be a man, but to be a better man. Nowadays, it's hard enough to be a man, period. As Solomon heard these words from his father, David, mm. you know, he followed it. He was determined, I'm going to follow what my father says. Yeah. So in 1 Kings chapter 3 now, these words really struck me. Chapter 3 and verse 3, one chapter over, it says, mm-hmm. And Solomon loved the Lord. Mm. What more can a father ask for? No, right. That's his parting words on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, I want you to love the Lord. Yeah. I want you to keep his commandments. I want you to walk in his counsels. Right. And this is not Solomon saying this. This is being written about Solomon. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so the Bible is saying that he loved the Lord. Mm. And, you know, when when he became king, he realized, I'm young. I'm, I'm only 20 years old. Right. I have big shoes to fill. My father was righteous. He was wise. He accomplished so much. He, mm. he was a godly man. And I have these huge shoes to fill but I'm only 20 years old. So with great humility, he went to the Lord and says, I am only a child. Mm. You know, he had kind of had a dream and was praying and said, Lord, I'm only a child. This is the king saying this. The king saying this, I'm, I'm just a child. Great humi- display of humility. Mm. And then, you know, God asked him, what do you want? What can I do for you? Mm. And Solomon says, Lord, I want wisdom. I'm mm. only a child, please grant me wisdom. And God said to Solomon, you could have asked for wealth, you could have asked for women, you could have asked for all these worldly accolades as most people would have, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what society's norm was for manhood. But you've asked for wisdom. So the Bible actually said that it pleased the Lord, you know, the yeah. saying pleased the Lord. And because God was so happy that Solomon acted for wisdom, he said, you know what, Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom to the point where there was none before you that will be as wise as you. And there'll be none after you who'll be as wise as you are. Do you think that his request for wisdom is related to David's charge for him to be a man? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, to to think he's going against the grain, Mm -hmm. right? And it requires a level of wisdom in that day and age. And in fact, this day and age as well, to be going against society's norm, but still to be deemed as a man. Right. Right. Because David's not around anymore. No, he's not. And, and I think it's one of the hardest things to emulate that which you can no longer see. That's right. You know, like it's difficult growing up without the father figure there present to, to guide you, to pull you in and correct you, to set you back on course. And I think that when Solomon does come before God and says, actually, the thing that I recognize I need the most in my life is wisdom. That's right. It might just be because ringing in the back of his head is David saying, prove yourself to be a man. And Solomon's like, well, I can only do that if God grants me the wisdom to be able to know how, to know what to do to prove myself a man. You brought out a good point. In my mind, ideally, you know, David steps down a few years earlier, Mm -hmm. have Solomon step in. Abdicates. And mentor him Mm -hmm. into it. But that wasn't the case. So without, you know, this wise man is gone. And I'm filling this wise man's shoes who found such great success and the mm-hmm. people loves him. It obviously going to require a lot of wisdom, which yeah. he didn't. And the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth liberally. So mm-hmm. he asked it and God granted it. In addition, God says, because you did not ask for wealth and 
otherworldly pursuits and mm-hmm. things that men consider to be great things. God says, I'm actually going to grant those to you as well. Right. And it's, it's with the expectation now, you love me uh-huh. and you're, you're going to have this wisdom that you obviously, in my mind, utilize the things that I'm going to give you wisely. Right. These things are not given as a snare to Solomon. No. It's almost a reward. That's right. And I think it shows that things such as riches and titles, mm-hmm. prosperity, success are not worldly in and of themselves. They've been given to Solomon as tools to show that he can be the man that God wants him to be. He can be the king that God wants him to be. And it's under Solomon that we see Israel really at its peak. It it never really reaches this state. Not at all. Again, it hasn't before and it hasn't after. We see God's people together doing what they were always meant to do, which was to simply live and be faithful. And the surrounding nations would come in and see this picture of God through his people. The queen of Sheba Hmm. came to Solomon. That's how wise he was. Right. And said, I have been hearing these things. And when she got there, the Bible says she challenged Solomon with difficult questions. Mm -hmm. And she saw all the things that God had blessed him with. And after she heard the words of Solomon and saw the wealth and and the, the things that God blessed him with, she said, I have heard many great things but I have not heard the half of the wisdom that you have mm. or the half of the wealth that you have. Right. So we see that God blessed him to the point where multiple kings and countries and nations were coming and saying, I want to know where this wisdom come from. Mm. I want to know where this wealth come from. Right. So God's design to a certain extent in the beginning, it, it was fulfilling his purpose. God wanted the men to come to him. They mm-hmm. wanted yep. the, the other countries and nations to come and see, God has blessed me. So that mm-hmm. would provide an opportunity now for Solomon to show them what true manhood was about. Right. But unfortunately, even Solomon gets to the point where these things that were given to him as blessings to show forth the praises of God, they do eventually become a snare. They That's do right. eventually become a trap. and. I guess you can say really that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's exactly right. Because he he becomes the very man that his father was begging and pleading not. for him to not become. And he goes, you know, a considerable distance further. That's right. Now, if you go to chapter 11 in 1 Kings. And by the way, just, just to give a snapshot of, of the level of wealth mm. that Solomon had. The Bible says that silver was not even counted in Solomon's reign. Right. It was pretty much like stones. It was worthless, yeah. So it's like I go to the river, you know, where we are now, and I'll take stones and just, you know, skip stones. (laughs) So it's like I'm grabbing silver and just like skipping silver in the water. That's, it was like valueless in the time of Solomon. That's Mm -hmm. how much wealth he has. (laughs) Yeah, I was reading about how apparently if, if Solomon was alive today and had all the riches that he had then, then he'd be worth close to like $2 trillion. Uh, the richest man now is what, about a, a hundred? Yeah, a couple a, hundred, hundred billion. billion or so he's <laughs> trouncing them. So he was truly, truly blessed of mm-hmm. God. Yep. But uh, as we mentioned that he, um, he failed. So we read that text that Solomon loved the Lord. And when we go to 1 Kings chapter 11 now, that was 1 Kings 3.3. 3. Now we go to 1 Kings chapter 11. There's a sad verse in verse one, but it says, but 
King Solomon loved many strange women. Hmm. So first, he loved the Lord. Now, if the Bible says, or David says rather in the Bible to his son Solomon, keep the commands of the Lord, keep the charge of the Lord, follow him, walk in his ways, walk in the laws of Moses. Hmm. And the Bible says he loved the Lord. Now, if the Bible is saying he loved many strange women, that means that the love that he had for the Lord had to have waned as well. That's dwindled. So something happened. So when you go on now, it says, um, and Solomon loved many strange women. And then it begins to mention who they were and so on and so forth. But then it also goes on to say, and these women turned the heart of Solomon away from God. Mm. So the very thing that David fell into, the same trap, you know, that whole experience with Bathsheba, mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, he didn't outright say it, but you could, it's almost as if he said it. Yep. Everyone I made knows. some mistakes. Yeah, everyone it knows is what public. David would mean. I should not have done it. Solomon, do not make the same mistake. Mm. Solomon took it to another level. <sighs> 1,000 women at the same time. <laughs> I don't even know how you balance that. I don't that, know what that looks that, like. Like <laughs> that's a whole nother story in itself. But obviously, he's as you mentioned, going completely away from the direction that God says. His father rather says, "Keep the commandments of God," mm -hmm. and it, it led to his down downward march to perdition. So now, as a result, um, the very thing that God had designed for him to be a blessing, to be a blessing to many nations, and so on and so forth. He went in a total opposite direction. Hmm. And now he's shown himself to be unmanly because he's shown himself to be ungodly. Because hmm. godliness and manliness, according to David, goes hand in hand. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's definitely a lesson for us to learn from that even though God can bless us with many good things, those very things, if they're not utilized for his true and right purpose they could turn out to be a curse for us. And that was it in this case of Solomon. So I think really he is, he is that figure that shows how great a man can be mm -hmm. if he chooses to follow the Lord, but also how far and how quickly someone can fall when they choose to follow after their own desires and their own wants. One would think that with all the wealth, wisdom, and riches, and everything else that Solomon had, that mm -hmm. surely he had to be happy, right? That in our mindset, what could make me more happy than having a thousand women? A thousand women, you know, uh, anything that I want, pretty much, yeah. you know, gardens all and the houses and, the and wealth and prestige and everything you name it, I have it. So surely in our minds, he had to have been happy. But listen to the words of Solomon. This is from the book Ecclesiastes, which he wrote near the end of his life. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 7. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. So what is this saying? He's saying that even though he had so many wonderful things flowing to him, all the wealth and all the women and all the accolades, mm. he still did not feel fulfilled. 
It was Solomon's own hand that wrote the words, the eyes of man are never satisfied. And as he got to the end of his life, having left behind the lascivious lifestyle that marred his reign, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, where amongst other things, he laments to the reader that he hated his life. He was depressed. He couldn't sleep at night. This brother had everything the castles and temples, the riches, a thousand women. But he was never able to find true satisfaction outside of God. So now it falls to you. You have two options. Heed the words of the wisest man to have walked the earth. Listen to the lessons of instruction that you find in the word of God on how to be a man or how to live your life or let experience teach you the painful lessons that it has had to teach so many before. What say ye? I was blessed to uh, grow up in a, in a home where I saw a man. You know, my father was the husband of one wife. Uh, my father was a true man. He had manly hands with calluses, you know, <laughs> hard worker, um, welding and just, just hard work. He was a definition of a man cars and all these varying things so painting construction Mm -hmm. you know my father did all these manly things but i realized that honestly even though my father was a man based on even the world's stats there was something in his life that just seemed missing he was never satisfied either Hmm. and it's not because he had a ton of wealth he did well off for himself but he just seemed to never be satisfied and when i became a man older in age you know, and I was able to buy my first house and get my cars and different things of that nature. Mm. I thought I've made it, you know, I've learned basics of plumbing and everything that my father taught me to be a man. But I realized like Solomon, of course we didn't have Solomon's wealth, but (laughs) um, I still wasn't satisfied either. Mm. And it wasn't until I came to the place in my life where God called me and I gave my heart to the Lord. And I began to follow the counsels unbeknownst to me that David was given in to his son Solomon. I haven't read this text yet, but as I begin by God's grace to try to keep God's commandments and give up the worldliness and different things of that nature and give my heart to the Lord, that's when the satisfaction came into my life. Mm. So even if even if it's not just the, you know, if, even if we're at total opposite of the feminist movement, which, you know, manliness and calluses on the hands and construction work and, you know, and all these varying things, my realization is if we don't have God in our lives, if we're not keeping the commands of God, if we're not making God the priority, we're still not going to be satisfied in life. Mm. That's the lesson for us. Solomon taught, taught us that lesson. And I think it'd be well for all of us to, to follow the example that Solomon has left us in saying, look, I've tried it all. But at the end of the day, if you're not giving God your heart, if you're not following God, as my father had told me, you're not going to be happy. You know, he went completely away from what his father said. And now he penned these words. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, it's funny because it's like it comes back full circle. (laughs) 
David's original words to Solomon was, show thyself a man, keep the commands of the Lord, keep the charge of the Lord, and so on and so forth. Mm. We know Solomon got off to a good start. We, we just covered that. But then he left all of that. And now he's old and he's about to die. And what did he say as I'm about to die? Mm. I've tried it all. I've had a thousand women. I've had all the wealth in the world. I've been visited by the most prestigious and powerful people all throughout the world that has come to me for counsel. Silver was like stones under my reign. Israel was at its peak of its prosperity. I've seen so many great things happen in my life, but I was still unhappy. So let me share with you the conclusion of the whole matter. What is the conclusion of the whole matter? The very same thing that my father told me at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Keep the commands of the Lord. And he says, it's only through this that you find peace, that you find happiness, and that you find prosperity. You know, even for me in my own personal life, this counsel works. If the wisest man to ever walk this earth had to come full circle to learn the lesson that wisdom, happiness, peace, joy, all these things that gives us true happiness only comes from following God, keeping his commandments. That's the only way that we'll find true peace and prosperity in this earth. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. Please also subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Why They Did That. We're on YouTube now as well, where you can actually watch this episode instead of just listening to it. So make sure you check that out. And this show was produced by the great and marvelous Christian Freed. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.